Coming up, why Major League Baseball needs to shore in their season, and who should be the American League MVP, Otani or Aaron Judge, breaking it down with Sully Baseball. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. We'll just look up Locked On Diamondbacks about Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do the podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We are talking to Sully Baseball today. Oh, also, don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube as well. Talking to Sully Baseball about the MVP, Otani, the Twins, shortening the season, a whole bunch of stuff. But I first want to make a correction because on last week's podcast, I think on Friday's pod, I was doing fake trades and I said one of the teams and players that the Diamondbacks should be interested in if they traded away maybe a surplus of their outfielders is Mackenzie Gore of the Padres. And I had a little brain fart because I know Mackenzie Gore is on the Washington Nationals, but at the time I said he was on the Padres. Of course, I've done multiple podcasts where I talked about that. Mackenzie Gore, Juan Soto trade, of course. So I knew he was on the Nationals, but at a brain fart, and I slipped, and I forgot at that moment. So it happens to the best of us, but I want to call myself out and acknowledge my mistake so we can, you know, move past it and realize we're not all perfect. We're just human. So you know what? You can make fun of me if you guys want. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. You can make fun of me on there, at CreatorThomas24, or you know, drop a comment down on the YouTube channel, Lockdown Dimebacks, on there as well. But now, let's jump into the podcast with Sully Baseball. The pennant races are looking a little more concrete as we are going to be entering late September. Meanwhile, the American League MVP is a race of philosophy. And do the Diamondbacks hold the key to go into the postseason? Let's have a lockdown MLB, lockdown Diamondbacks crossover. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I'm your host. I am an Emmy winning. No, I'm not an Emmy winning. I'm an Emmy nominated. I almost gave, I almost padded my resume. Emmy nominated producer of television comedian, sometimes filmmaker, sometimes writer, podcast for the last 10 years. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. You call me Sully. Right over there, that's Miller Thomas. He is the host of Locked on Dimebacks. Every Monday we get together to yap and yap and yap about baseball. And you know what? There are worse ways to spend your days. Hey, follow us at Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Millard, where can people follow you? 
Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or follow the show account Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram. And of course, we're on YouTube as well. Locked on Dimebacks on there as well. So don't forget to hit subscribe. And we're on all your podcasting platforms. All right. I just want to, again, pull back the uh, the Wayback Machine a little bit um, on the fourth day of September, just before we're heading into Labor Day, the Minnesota Twins defeated the Chicago White Sox 5-1. to one. And with that, they entered into a tie for first place in the American League Central, knowing they had, let's count them off, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games head-to-head with the Cleveland Indians, the team they were tied with. All they had to do was enter those Cleveland series, break even, and then win those Cleveland series, and Minnesota could be punching their ticket for October. What happened, Miller Thomas? They did not win those games. No, they did not. In fact, they went on an absolute nosedive. They got swept at home. They lost three games at home to Cleveland. And then they lost the first three games uh, the first three games at Cleveland this weekend, including a 15-inning game that I have no evidence is over. Meanwhile, with that, the first six games head-to-head, they've lost. Now, they lost, they won today, but the words too little and too late have come to mind as they dropped their first six head-to-head matchups. Their best-case scenario is they went they would lose six out of eight head-to-head games that were desperately needed. And with that, they went from on September 5th, tied, dead even. And here we are on September 18th. They are six games back with, what, 18 left to play. Um, That's a disaster. That is a complete disaster. And with that, and the White Sox have crept a little bit closer to Cleveland but with Shane Bieber pitching like a Cy Young candidate, it looks like Cleveland has all but wrapped this up with yeah. this disastrous series for Minnesota. Yeah, the Twins controlled their own destiny at the end of the season for whether they should make the playoffs or not. And they weren't able to get it done against their own division opponents. Like you said, the schedule was laid out for them. They had all the games against the Cleveland Guardians to lock down the division. They weren't able to get it done now. The Twins, they have a lot of question marks entering the season because I still feel like this was a year where you're where you still kind of overperformed expectations for the Twins franchise. But it's still like a weird period in your franchise. It's kind of like a transition period. It's like, what do you do with that Carlos Correa contract? He's got a player option basically for every single season. Like Byron Buxton had a good year, but it's another year where he only played like 90 something games and he couldn't stay on the field. And you look at a lot of that roster, like the talent either overperformed expectations or there's just a lot of holes on that team. So. If you're the Twins, I don't know if you double down on this team and you say, let's improve, let's retool, and let's keep adding pieces to this roster that we already have, try to compete again next season. Or you're like, you know what? Maybe we just overperformed expectations. We're really not in a place to compete. And let's just trade Carlos Correa, let's trade Byron Buxton, and let's rebuild. Because if you're the Twins right now, I don't know exactly where you go from here. Well, the Twins made the wild card in 2017. They won their division in 2019. They won over 100 games in 2019. They won the division in 2020. They had a bad year last year. I thought last year was the aberration, which is why I actually picked Minnesota to go to the playoffs this year. Um, I thought Correa was going to be a positive influence. And right up until, I mean, heck, I mean, they were in first place 
from Memorial Day. I mean, I'll, let me just go here. The, from until um, they were in first place until, you know, by themselves until early August. Mm-hmm. And they took control of first place. They jumped into first place right around mid-April. So for the majority of this season, the Minnesota Twins were in first place by themselves. And then it just collapsed the final third of the season. Um, This is reminiscent of what happened with the Mets last year in San Diego last year. But this looked like a decent team. And again, they they were in first place. They were tied for first place in September. Do you think that's part of like the Tim Kirchin argument, though, when he says this is why we need 162 games? Because over the length of the season, things will start to even itself out. So maybe the Twins were really good for those first 100 games. But the more you play throughout the season, you look at like a basketball series, like the better teams eventually uh, were able to hold on to the end. And maybe the Twins, you know, when you look at the team on paper, they weren't exactly stacking up against the rest of the teams in the American League. So maybe they were one of the better teams for that first 100 games, but they weren't able to get to the finish line in the end. I think the 162 games is the great equalizer of baseball, which is one of the reasons why, um, you know, I I feel like I'm not the biggest fan of adding more teams to the postseason. I'm I'm fine with it because it beats the alternative, which was a long, prolonged lockout. It's the same reason why I bit my tongue and said, okay, we have a universal DH. Okay, fine, we have a universal DH. I didn't want a universal DH, but we got one, but it avoided the lockout. Fine. Uh, I, I don't necessarily want it expanded playoffs, but if that's what's going to avoid the lock, you know, that's better than not having baseball. And who knows? Uh, the, the wild card round could be a great, huge success. I've kicked and screamed at every single addition to postseason since they added the wild card. So I've been wrong every time. Um, yeah, but I think it, for, it, I was just going to say, I think for the like expanded postseason, I think that's more just about like increasing eyeballs for the regular season more than anything. I don't think the expanded postseason actually like is a bigger draw for like the playoffs. I don't think it makes the playoffs more interesting. I think it just makes the end of regular seasons more interesting. Yeah, like, I mean, we're, and we're going to see that. But yeah. the, this year is looking like it looked like it may be a bit of a of a flop because the races are I mean, unless the Guardians go on a tailspin or the Padres go on a tailspin. There's really no exciting races that are, I mean, the the Padres and Brewers going for the final playoff spot, okay. Um, it looked like the American League Central was going to turn to a three-way scrum, but the Guardians today, notwithstanding, have kind of pushed everything aside. I want to point something out here, because I keep track on the summer score mm-hmm. uh, about w- people who, Uh, are in the postseason or not Um, when the twins uh, for when the twins tied for first place on September 4th um, and then they dropped out the next day, that was the last day there was any change in the teams that are going to the postseason, the Astros, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Mariners and the guardians. It's been those teams steady Every single day, all but one day since October, since August 10th, for except for one day since August 10th, those have been the playoff teams. So you'll have nearly when it's all said and done, you'll you'll have a month and a half of the exact same teams 
maybe moving the position up and down, but no new teams in there. In the National League, there has been no change in the teams that are the playoff teams, Dodgers, Mets, Padres, Atlanta, St. Louis, and Philadelphia, since the 6th of August. It's been over a month and a half since there's been any change in um, maybe the positioning, but it's been a month and a half of the same teams every single day. You know what it sounds like, Sully? It sounds like an argument for shortening the schedule because if you shortened it to those 120 games and you would have had those close races already finished, you know, at the month or so ago when the races were close, because like you're saying, as the season wears on, those races, those final three weeks, month of the season, we already know who's locked into those playoff spots. Yeah, there might be one wild card, you know, spot up for grabs, but for the most part, those final three weeks, we already know who's locked into playoff seating for the most part. So there's not really a lot of intrigue this extra month of the season. If we ended the month a couple, if we ended the season a couple months earlier, then all those close playoff races would have came down to the wire. It just would add a little bit more intrigue than seeing all, you know, basically teams just separate themselves from the rest of the pack with how it goes the last three weeks of the season. And I've been saying this since a video I made in 2011 that the baseball season needs to end on Labor Day. Yep. Because that's the end of the summer. And that's when all attention is going to football. Yeah. So if you would have, if you had the pennant races down the stretch in August, when people can go to the games and everything like that. And if you have expanded the playoffs, that allows you to say, okay, these would have been all the teams that would have been, you know, been the best teams at the end. And let's say you have it be, um, let's say 140 game schedule. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you also probably save a few arms along the way. Maybe you save a little uh, – maybe you don't have the injuries that you have down the stretch. Maybe you spread things out a little bit. Uh, obviously, I love baseball. I don't even know who played in football today. I don't care. But uh, but 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 that's because that's the level of fan I am. But I know that most people aren't. I know more. most people are getting into football big time right now, and it's ridiculous – to try to take what should be the the down the stretch they come month and then expect everyone to pick baseball up again in October. Imagine if the playoffs were going on right now. The cities that are super into it would be watching it. Most interest in playoff baseball is local teams anyway. So if the Dodgers were in it here in Los Angeles or if the Yankees were in Yankees and Mets or, you know, the Phillies or the Mariners, whomever in there, St. Louis, those cities would be going gaga. Everyone else will have already turned to football like they already have. Yeah. It's like screaming at the tides. So you have expanded the playoffs. I'm all for shortening the season. Because I'm definitely the guy when football comes on, I'm locked into fantasy football. I'm in my sixth league. So my I'm getting distracted because baseball, the playoffs are not just bleeding to football. Like I'm also working for Arizona Coyotes. Like hockey season's getting ready to start. Basketball season's around the corner. Like baseball is literally bleeding into three other sports that are like starting right on time. So it's like you got Labor that Day. new exactly. You got like that new season feel. You want to watch all the games, you want to see all your new teams, but yet the baseball playoffs are going on at the same time. Like and Labor Day, I want the season to be over before football even starts because I don't want any bleed or over. I mean, as a sports fan, I love it when we have all four sports going on at one yeah. time. Crazy feeling. But for marketing baseball and cre- increasing the exposure in the eyeballs of baseball, like end it before football starts and all the other sports start. And you would have 
baseball bleeding into November now? You know, the, you know, start the playoffs the first week of September, and if it goes out the way it will, it'll probably end early October, where the weather still feels like baseball. Imagine a few years ago, both Colorado and Minnesota made the postseason. They didn't get far, but they both made the postseason. Imagine if we're playing a November World Series game at Coors Field and Target Field in the snow. Is that what we want? I, I, you know what? I'm willing to bet money that nobody wants to see that. And if you want to bet money, overlay. It is time for Bet Online, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments that I follow so closely game matchups, news, and podcasts. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Hey! The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. That's betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Um, hey, uh, talking about, uh, we were talking about philosophical issues of starting the season late or early. Um, we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but it's, it's reared its head again. The debate of the MVP of Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge. Um, and this weekend, both of them made their cases on, uh, what was it, on uh, uh, Saturday. Shohei Otani as the pitcher kept the Mariners off the board for seven innings, allowing three hits, one walk. He struck out eight, eight strikeouts to one walk, got an RBI double, and then scored the other angel run. So the angels won two to one. He was involved in both runs offensively and then pitched seven innings with an eight to one strikeout ratio and didn't allow a run. I mean, that's, that's high school star stuff. You know, when the, when the high school star is the star pitcher and the star hitter and everything like that, that's insane. And if you take a look at, you know, Otani, the pitcher is this, is a legit Cy Young contender. Yeah. He has 196 strikeouts in uh, 148 innings pitched 25 starts. His ERA is 2.43. His ERA plus is 1.64. He's only walked 36 batters, 196 strikeouts to 36 walks. And toss in the fact that his OPS right now is 891. He has 34 home runs. He's going to drive in 100 runs and throw this in too. He has 11 stolen bases. There's literally nothing in the game he doesn't do. However, however, Aaron but. Judge hit two home runs today. Two in a in a game with the Yankees. It's not just he's piling up these stats. He has been the rock when the Yankees went on that spiral and all the injuries took over. There is barely an offensive category that he doesn't have bold italicized on his baseball reference page. You like old timey stats? 
runs, home runs, RBIs, walks. He's leading the league in all of them. You like on base percentage leads the league in it. Like OPS leads the league in it. Like OPS plus leads the league in it. There categories that I don't even understand. He leads the league in it. And he is the reason why the Yankees have not collapsed. This is this is the hardest MVP decision in since Miguel Cabrera won the triple crown, but Mike Trout was arguably better across the board. I personally think they got that right. They gave Cabrera the MVP, Trout the rookie of the year, and eventually Trout went on to win three MVPs, so I really can't cry for him. And Shohei has already won an MVP, so I'm not going to cry for him either. Just being said, he literally does everything except field. Except field. Yeah. This debate, this this is one where I hear both sides of the argument. This is one where everybody's a winner. There's no wrong answers here. But I hate how definitive people get when they say it has to be Otani because he does everything. He can do more for his team than a judge. And a lot of that is true because Otani, like we've talked about, is an elite offensive position player. He's an elite pitcher. He leads the American League in strikeouts per nine. He's basically the most efficient strikeout artist we have in baseball. And he's going to put up historic numbers basically every year. I think most years I will default to Otani as the MVP. But this season, Sully Baseball, I think I'm going to have to give the MVP to Aaron Judge. I know he doesn't pitch, but it's not like he's just having a casual 45 home run, 120 RBI season. This is one of the most historic home run seasons we've ever seen in Major League Baseball. Basically, the greatest season we've ever seen clean from a home run hitter since basically the 1900s. Like, we talk about Otani, what he's done. We haven't seen it in over 100 years since Babe Ruth. Well, this might be the highest home run record clean since Babe Ruth as well. This might be the best home run season we've seen. He could crack top five home run single season records. He can get to 65 potential home runs this season. And if Aaron Judge does that, I'm sorry. I feel like Aaron Judge should be the MVP. Most years, I'm defaulting to Otani to MVP. But when you have a guy putting up a historic season like this, I also look at that Yankees lineup. It's not like I'm in love with a lot of those players in the Yankees lineup. Outside of like an Anthony Rizzo, it's not like they've gotten great production. Like if Aaron Judge ever tweaks his ankle in the postseason, I feel like that team just falls apart. It's over. And I'm sorry, I don't want to make it reductive, but I also want to credit a guy who's doing it on a winning team. The Yankees are arguably the best team in the American League, while the Angels are nowhere near the postseason. I know that's not Otani's fault. I know he's having a great season, but if one guy's doing it on an amazing team, one guy isn't, I, I want to reward the dude who's doing who's doing a MVP season on a team that could win the World Series. Here's where I'll agree with you on that. I normally don't like to look at the record for this because it's not the player's fault. But the fact that when the Yankees were spiraling, and they lost Stanton, they lost Rizzo, they had so many injuries, there was nobody in that lineup. And they batted him leadoff, they batted him second, they threw him all over the damn lineup. Sometimes they changed the lineup mid-game, like, are you starting to get leadoff, now we're going to move you to fourth. You can't do that, Aaron Boone, well, I'm going to try. But the fact that through all that, he remained a rock uh, and became the, was like the lone productive player, um, here, here's. I think you made a great uh, that that does apply to me, but also, and you made a great point. It takes in order to wrestle the crown away from the king right now. It takes a historic season. Yeah, like take someone like if Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is having a wonderful season for Cleveland. Absolutely wonderful, top five MVP candidate. Okay, um, if it was between Jose Ramirez's fine season. And Shohei Otani, 
I, I'd say Otani unanimously. I, I got one for you, Sully. Like, what if you just switch Judge and Paul Goldschmidt? You put Goldschmidt in the National League, and you put Aaron Judge in the American League. This Goldschmidt versus Otani in the American League. I would give it to Otani. Yeah, when, that's and that's not a that's good. not a knock on Goldschmidt, who's having a fantastic season. There's no it, there's a big gray area between deserving the MVP and being having a rotten season. There's a big gray area there. Um, it take now. It takes this. By the way, I want to just take a look at, you know, he's chasing Roger Maris for the American League home run record. And the year Roger Maris uh, hit the 61 home runs, it was a huge offensive season. It was the first year of expansion. There were a lot of pitchers who probably were not supposed to be in the league. Um, It was a big power year that year. Um, And he led the league with runs, 132, obviously homers, 61, runs batted with 141 total bases. Uh, he batted 269. His OPS was 993. Okay. And comparing that to, you know, Judge, who, if you like batting average, then he's batting 312. His OPS is 1.102. Um, his total, and it, it just is lapping him in virtually every category other than home runs. It's not a knock on Roger Maris. Roger Maris was a fine player. Who won the? Who actually won the MVP in 1960, as well as 61. So it wasn't just a one-hit wonder, but for the most of his career, he was a good, solid player who had this unbelievable peak, and then went back to being a pretty good player. Um, Judge is one of the elite players in the game, and I like it when the elite players in the game win their MVP. And if he is going to break Maris's record, and then torture him in every other category um all do you know maris wore number nine judge wears number 99 um I, you know it takes a season like that and again i don't i don't um begrudge anyone who would vote for otani as yeah. mvp i totally get it totally get it i just uh I just don't like it when people make others feel dumb for saying it's Judge over Otani. Like, well, if, if you believe it's Otani, fine, but don't be like, it's Otani and there's no other choice because this uh, he's doing everything on the field. I can't even listen to any other arguments. I think that's one reason. Can I just say, I think that's one reason why there's a backlash against Mike Trout. Because when he, when he was a rookie and Miguel Cabrera won the Triple Crown, for a lot of people, there you go, he won the Triple Crown. That's, you know, that's your MVP. And then the people who were, who were um, uh, supporting Trout in the argument weren't doing so with a sense of, hey, let me show you why Trout's the one. It was you're, It was a lot of you're just an old Luddite who doesn't who – da, 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 and it was you about don't advanced get, analytics. Look at the war. You don't even war. understand war. And like I, to this day, I don't understand war. I, oh like, no God. one has ever explained to me how to calculate war. I understand the triple uh, crown, and you can't. Understand I under, and I understand the theory behind war, but I say, how do I know when he gains a war? How do I know? Did that hit? Was that hit worth a war? And then yeah. it's like, no, we just take it to this place, and they throw a number at you, and now the conversation's over. Yeah, okay. and also the fun thing about war, different websites calculate it differently. They have different formulas for war based on the websites. So fan graphs and baseball reference calculate war differently. That's why it's and I'm not saying I'm not gonna be one of these I'm not an old Luddite. I am I like it, you know, advanced stats are important to have. I just, you know, and you know, and Mike Trout's one of the great players I've ever seen in my life. I just there was there was a lot, I think there was a backlash because 
the people who made you feel stupid for being impressed by Miguel Cabrera. I think there may be a backlash against Otani for the same reason. What is it about people having backlash against Angel MVPs? That was me, Sully. That's when I was born because I was Team Miguel Cabrera. I was like, the Tigers are winning 90-plus games. He's winning triple crowns, but everyone wants to give it to Mike Trout on this terrible team who's also putting up numbers. But give it to Cabrera, who's doing historic stuff on a great team. That's where my hate started for Trout back then. In the end, Cabrera's a multiple MVP. Trout's a multiple MVP. And they've both made more money than us. Yeah, a lot more money. Hey, speaking of money, how about Aaron Judge wrapped up in this MVP conversation? How much money is he going to get this offseason? Because he might get a half bill. Yeah, and uh, if I were the Red Sox and Mets, I would do everything I can to drive up that price. Everything I can to drive up that price. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll have part two with Sully Baseball talking about the National League wildcard race. As always, stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, Lockdown MLB with our pal Sully Baseball, who you heard on today's podcast. And as always, deuces.